Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Haven Community Church. If you're a guest, we're so glad that you're here. And if you're looking for a church home, pray this might be the right fit. Sam will be in the welcome area. I'll be in the welcome area after. We've not had a chance to meet yet. We just love that opportunity. We're so very, very glad that you're here. Uh, hope you've had a, a really good weekend. Uh, my, my wife is uh, actually away for the weekend with Don's wife and my daughter. They, they're in Berlin, uh, just enjoying Amish country. And, but on Friday night, before they left Saturday morning, Friday night, she took me out on a wonderful date to go see, I don't know if any of you are jazz fans, but we went to see Dave Cause and Friends, and um, I've been a Dave Cause fan for a long time, and, and one of the friends, the group that he was with, was Jonathan Butler, who's another, I'm just a Jonathan Butler fan, he's like one of my favorites, you know, he's a, a South African who does uh, jazz, he does R&B, he does gospel, strong believer, and the, it was just Worshipful. It was one of the best concerts I've ever been to. So I'm not here to, to, to promote Dave Cause and Friends, but I'm telling you, it was just worshipful. Just, just a, a really great start to the weekend. And then yesterday, <laughs> I was telling these guys out front, you know, I, I never wear, you know, um, sports paraphernalia. I want, you know, we're here about Jesus, okay? <laughs> But my crew did it. My crew did it. We are national champions twice in four years. Twice in four years. So, so, so you know, you, you, some of you realize that the ticket prices were just insane. You know, it was primarily because of resellers. You know, I mean, uh, the, the, the Nordeca, which is the crew supporter section, is where I like to hang out. And, and, you know, even for the final, the ticket prices, when they came out, were 40 bucks. But could you find a ticket for less than five hundred? I mean, between five hundred to two thousand dollars. I'm just saying, no, there's no way. So what 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 we did? We we just had a, a gathering in my home of the Haven crew supporters, <laughs> Fernando and myself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it was just really, really fun, you know, and as I said last week, you know, I mean, obviously I'm hoping and supporting my crew and so forth, but honestly, my hope is not in the crew. If they had lost, I would have slept well last night. I slept better. Um, actually, I was just full of joy, you know, but, but it's a game, but, but there are things that are significantly more important than a a crew soccer game, not least of which is even this season that we're in, this season of Advent, when we remind ourselves that the Lord Jesus Christ came. He came to this world. And it's the word Advent, as I told you last week, the word means coming, and he's coming back, and that we have an anticipation of that, and we live in anticipation is a beautiful thing. I, I'm finding more and more uh, as I age that, uh, you know, I, I like some of the secular aspects of the season. You know, I mean, you know, Christmas songs, you know, uh, about, you know, it's, it, it, it's, a, it's a most wonderful time of the year. And I, I, I enjoy that. I have fond memories of that kind of thing. But I'm finding more and more and more. I, I'm really drawn to the Christmas songs about Jesus. And that's really what it's about. It's easy to get distracted by the, the, the things that, you know, they may be fun, but they really don't matter. You know, I'm talking about the, 
the trees, the, the Santa, those kinds of things. It's fun to play with, but to understand this is a season of worship. A time where we worship the living God. And, and all that comes as we ponder what happened at what we call the incarnation. That God became flesh and dwelt among us. And it is a good time, is it not? Now, now I know that many of us are struggling right now with you know, thoughts. I mean, I, I would love my mama to be here. And, and you know, those kinds of memories sometimes become painful because we, we miss people. And maybe there are associations with the season that... that don't really feel that good but when we step back and really start to think about what this season means we ought to be filled with with hope with a sense of peace with a sense of the best is yet to come Amen. So these are good times from that perspective. And we began last week this Advent season, uh, a message series that I'm calling Good Times. And last week we talked about it just being a good time for hope. And today I want to talk about it being a good time for giving. You know, one of the scriptures that we are very familiar with is John 3.16, which speaks to the, the attitude of God towards us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And when we who are the people of God receive Jesus, we're, the, the goal is to become more and more and more like him. He began this good work in us. He says he will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And so we look to Jesus and say, what, what does it look like to be fully human? And what we know of God is that he is a generous God. And so we need to grow in generosity. I want to speak on that today. I want to be speaking from a, a, a passage that has meant so much to me over the years. It's in Philippians chapter 4. where, As Paul is closing out the letter, he's commending the Philippians for their generosity. Uh, if you're able, could you stand for the, the reading of God's word? Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse 10. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Lord, we are grateful to you for your word, this letter that you have written to the Philippians that is not just for the Philippians but for us today. I pray today as we consider 
what it means to be a people who are giving, that you would speak to our hearts, you would encourage us, you would bless us, you would have us filled. Speak now through your servant, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Please be seated. So, so, so you, you know, I preached through the, the book of Philippians a, a little while back. And uh, for any of you who are here, you know that this is oftentimes considered the joy book. What, what more appropriate book for us to be looking at at this Christmas season? Uh, this is a time also of joy, of great joy. And Paul writes from a jail cell. He's towards the end of his ministry. He's in a jail, and, and the, the pages are just filled with joy, and he, he's telling them to rejoice in the Lord always, and if they didn't hear it before, let me just say it again, rejoice, and, and it speaks to us that even in our hard times, we can know that there's a place for rejoicing. We spoke on that just a couple weeks back, you know, that, that circumstances don't determine our joy. And so as he concludes this, 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 uh, this letter, he, he, he's again just giving some final encouragements to the Philippians. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you re- re- uh, renewed your concern for me. And then he clarifies that very quickly. He's not saying that it's, it's because he was worried about himself. And as we will see, this is part of what true generosity is about. It's, it's, it's just not a self-focused concern for oneself. It's an outward thinking. Indeed, you were concerned. I know that. But you didn't have opportunity to show it. You didn't have opportunity. And so he says, I'm not saying this because I am in need. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. You know, I, I read these words and I can so relate to it. You know, there was a few years ago, um, uh, it was a Labor Day, and we were going through our files. We have a big file cabinet. We still have that file cabinet. We hardly use it these days because we're so electronic. But we're going through old papers, going through all these old papers, just clearing out. And then we were going through some tax forms from previous years. And I pulled my tax forms from uh, the, the, the 1990s when I was in seminary. And we were looking at our income during those years. And it was so far below the poverty level. It was ridiculous. And, and I really I, 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 I'm disappointed that I didn't keep those to show our children. This is where, how we lived when we were in seminary. Now, now, I was working three jobs. Every Jamaican has to have three jobs, right? <laughs> and my wife was, was really the one pulling income for us. But it, we were, we had very little. But I can tell you, I can relate to what Paul is saying here because we've never felt poor in our entire lives. We, we've had very, very little and wondered where it was going to come from. But, I, you know, we've just had a contentment. God, you're going to take care of us. He has always cared for us. Fast forward to uh, 2003 when we first moved to, to Columbus. And, uh, you know, we, again, you know, we're living very simply. But, but um, we, we all of a sudden were in this place where we need to find a home. And we're looking and we're looking. And 
through the word of a fellow church member, there was this home that was not even on the market yet in a very nice community, four-bedroom home, beautiful home, and it wasn't on the market. We contacted the realtor. She said she would make a deal with us, and we purchased this beautiful home for a song. Now, it was in disrepair. It needed some work, and so... I had known better because I, one of the very first Bible studies I ever did was on Christian stewardship. But it's kind of like I just forgot all that I had learned. And I was going to Home Depot, swiping that card, swiping that card, swiping that card. And before I knew it, one day I said to her, hey, what's, what's, what, what's, our, what's our bill? What, how much do we owe? And she told me, and I went, oh, my goodness, we will never get out of debt. <laughs> And right at that time, we did financial peace. You, any of you guys familiar with financial peace with Dave Ramsey? And he, he really speaks to the, the truth that debt is dumb. <laughs> okay? And so we just made every effort to say we're getting out of debt. We did nothing but just pay down those credit cards. Or, and eventually, we got out of debt. And I said, you know, Lord, I'll never go there again. Saying all this to say, since then, we don't have debt. We don't, we don't live in debt. We still live a fairly simple lifestyle. But I, 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 I feel like we're in a place of plenty. I, I know what it is to be in need, he says. I know what it has plenty. You know, financial peace is not about being a millionaire. It just means that you're managing what you have and you have what you need. And you, you even have more than you need. You can put aside. You can save. You can give. And so he says, I, I know what it is in, to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty, where, you know, if the Lord says, give, you give. If the Lord says, you know, hey, there's a purchase I want to make here, Lord. Is it okay for me to make? Because everything belongs to God, right? So every spending decision is a spiritual decision. And you say, God, can I purchase it? He says, yeah, go for it. So I, I, I can experience what Paul is saying. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. Listen to what he says now. He says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. And then we get to this oft-misquoted verse, Philippians 4.13. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, you know, I mean, I know athletes that have this verse tatted across their chest. I can beat you up in Jesus' name. <laughs> That's not what it's talking about, right? The context is saying it's in the context of understanding contentment comes through Jesus. Whether it's that place of need or that place of plenty where I'm not consumed by either I need more or hey I have abundance it's no I'm content because of Jesus because in Jesus we understand I have all things he's the source of all things and so if it seems like there's need I know God you've you've made a promise to me you know I mean he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him, he gave his very best, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? And when we have more than we need to understand, God, I'm a steward. It all belongs to you. I don't own anything. 
And so, so I don't have to chase the American dream because my neighbor bought that new car. I've got to get one just like it. I don't have to do any of that. I can be content. And where does that come from? Through him who gives me strength. And I would put it to you this morning, my brothers and sisters, that, that, that biblical giving, giving from a heart of saying, I want to please you, God, that, that comes primarily from a, a heart that's content in God. A heart that understands God is my source of every blessing. That in him, I have everything I need for for life and for godliness. That I lack no good thing. That he's ready to provide for me, even when I don't see it with the natural eye. That by faith, I can believe. And I can look back on a track record and say, you've come through so many times, God. Why would you give up right now? If you really did give me your son, and he did. What would, he, what would he withhold from you? What would he withhold from you? I mean, let me, let me put this in some very natural terms. I'm going to give you a million dollars whenever you need it, right? And you're wondering whether or not you're going to be able to buy a meal? He, he gave you Jesus, but he's going to withhold from you your needs? God said, I'll meet, I'm going to meet you right there. And, and, and there's, there needs to be this contentment that Jesus, and, and this genuine faith that says, you're more than enough, God. You are more than enough. I just wonder if there's anybody here that's in that space right now just wondering, how am I going to provide for my kids for Christmas? You know, maybe you've got a big bill that you're facing right now, and you're wondering how it's going to be. God wants to remind you, find your contentment in him. He's willing to come through. Now, I'm going to give you some practicals when we get to the end of this message, but I'm telling you that the starting place is to find contentment in the Lord, to find contentment in the Lord. Yet it was good of you, he says, to share my troubles. You know, we've said this so many times, but the Christian life is intended to be one that's communal, that we live together with one another. The Christian life is never meant to be lived on one, by one's self, that we live alone. We're not, we're not called to do that. There's been some recent discussions these days about, you know, can, can we go to chat GPT to, to do some interpretation for Scripture for us? <laughs> and, and don't get me wrong. I, 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 there are things that we can use the Internet for to, to study and so forth. There's all kinds of tools out there, you know. But if, if, if I'm looking to chat GPT or any other kind of AI to kind of discern for me what God's word is saying. What I'm doing is like, I, I, I'm bypassing the, the, the need for my brothers and sisters, real people, to speak into my life. Christian life is intended to be communal. And so, so he's saying, it's good for you to share in my troubles because, you know, in Christ, we're called to be one. We're, we're called to be with one another. We're called to support one another. He says it's good. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. You did this for me. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. And, and, and here's, here's the catch here. He's, he, he's explaining to them again that it's not about himself. Not that I desire gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. So he starts using some accounting terms here now. He's saying this is going to be credited to your account. What is he talking about? What account is he talking about? 
Does he have some sort of bank ledger he's working through? That's not where he's going with this. He is using the accounting terms and the credit he's going to talk about. Well, well, let's see what it says. It says, I have received full payment. Again, you know, we can think of a ledger here. I've received full payment, and now I have more than enough. I'm amply supplied. Now that I've received from Epaphroditus, Epaphroditus was one of their own. He was one of the Philippians. They sent him with these gifts for Paul. The gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, the pleasing to God. He's saying in this accounting ledger that somehow by you giving to, to me in this ministry, that you are essentially giving to God. And I think when we have that mindset that I am, I am a vessel for God, I am a conduit of blessing, that when I give to others, I'm giving to God. No, you know, when I think about that, it's perplexing to me. Because what does God need? God has everything. God is the owner of all things. He has no lack. And yet when we give to another person or another ministry, when we give, we are being used by God as that conduit of blessing from God. And, and the, the, the recipient of that gift understands, I've been blessed by God through you. I could tell you story upon story upon story in my own life where we have been recipients of this kind of blessing. You know, I, I know I've told this story before, so forgive me. Some of you may not have heard it. But this is one of many of my stories of being a recipient of this kind of blessing. I'm in seminary, and I open my box one day, and there is this envelope that says, from God's kingdom. <laughs> I open it up, and there's cash. And again, you know, we're living in poverty, <laughs> in need. One of the, the many ways that this has come through. And, and as we receive it, I, I, don't, I to this day don't know who it came from. Uh, there was a, a doctor who was also a, a, um, a student with me, and I suspect it was him. And I went up to him and I said, I got this really strange envelope today. He said, oh, yeah? I said, yeah. I, I, it said, from God's kingdom. And I, don't, I was trying to read him, and he didn't give away. And, and I, I still suspect it was him. But he gave so humbly. But my response was, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Because ultimately, this was a, a gift from God. Through a human being. And, and so when we're giving with a heart of, I want to bless you. It's like you're giving to God. That, that, that God himself, who needs nothing, is saying, this is a vessel that I can use. You know, one of the things that, 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 that sometimes I get really perplexed about, you know, I'm, I'm no businessman, but, but I, I, you know, it's this time of the year, you know, it's the department stores, less and less. I guess more people are doing Amazon these days. But even if you go to an Amazon warehouse, you'll see these trucks, right? You're driving on the street, you see these big Amazon trucks or, or whatever the department store is, and they pull into these either department stores or warehouses, 
And he said, how is all this stuff filling these warehouses? Wouldn't they just overflow? Why doesn't it? Because it's also going out, right? It's, it's not just accumulating. And this is what God wants to do in our lives. He, doesn't, he wants to bless us. And God desires to use you as that source of blessing. But when God pours into you, he's intending for you to pour out. For there to be a flow. And many of you know the name George Mueller, the, the, uh, the great missionary and, and, uh, who himself supported missions all over the world. He ran an orphanage. And we, we read of these stories of great blessing where orphans are sitting down for a meal and there's no food. And he says, don't worry, God's going to provide. And a door, there's a knock on the door. All of a sudden, there's great provision. And in his life, they say in today's dollars, there were millions of dollars that poured through him. And he, his bank account was, was minimal. But he was just that, that conduit of blessing. As, as, as God used him to give, he's giving back to God. You've heard that expression? To give back to God? I don't understand it. But yet God says that we can give back to him. So as we give to others, we are giving to God. And then he says this. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. You know, there is uh, among, not just, I think people in general, probably less so with Christians, but even among Christians, sometimes we don't give because we have a scarcity mindset. We, we think we don't have to give. We, we don't have enough it's not enough. I, I can't give because I myself have so little. And what, what Paul is saying to them is that even in your space of scarcity, you gave. You gave. And, and he, he wants to give them this assurance, this promise. That my God will meet all your needs. How? According to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. God lacks nothing. I, I, I sincerely believe that when we give with that kind of attitude, it opens the gates of blessings of God. It, it opens the floodgates. It, it opens it up. Here, here's what Jesus says about this. This is Luke 6. Give, and it will be given to you a good measure Pressed down, shaken together, running away. It's like he's taking, taking this, this bag of, of grain. Or whatever. You, you guys ever buy cereal and you wonder, how in the world did the cereal box this big look so shallow? <laughs> it's pressed down, shaken. But he's saying it's going to be filled. And you press it down, you shake it. And he says, you think you don't have enough? He said, it's going to be given to you a good measure, pressed down. Pressed down. Let's just get as much as we can to this. Shaken together and running over. would be poured into your lap. With the measure you use, it will measure to you. This is, this is Jesus speaking. Paul again writing to the, to the church in Corinth. He says these words, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. You know, I've known people in my Christian journey who really don't have that much. But it seems like 
they never lack. They're generous. They give from what they do have. Now, you don't measure generosity on dollar amount. You know that, right? Because what might be impressive to me or to you or to another person, to God, God, he might look at what you're giving and say, yeah, but, but that's, that's, that's a pittance you're giving because that's, that's your 1%. That might be 20% for another person, but it's only 1% of what you got. And then there's the widow who comes down and drops that penny. And Jesus says, she gave more than all of these others because she gave out of her lack. People are giving out of their abundance. So he says, no, 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 no. For the believer, there is this, and I'm just reading scripture for you right now. There is the principle of sowing and reaping. You say you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. I've also known people who just, they just they're always in lack because they never give. They never give. And so they, they, they reap sparingly. God is saying, I'm looking for the conduit. And if, if, you're, if, if all you're doing is holding on to what you have, that's not a conduit I can use. He's looking for you know, a, a wide, open conduit. I pour in, it pours out. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly under compulsion. So, so you know, this passage has been distorted and twisted by, I would say, those who call themselves the prosperity gospel preachers. Where it says, you know, you want to be blessed? Well, you got to bless. And there's a principle in there that says yes to that. But the motivation for giving is not so that you can accumulate more and more and more. Well, God says if I give, I'm I'm going to become a millionaire. You may never become a millionaire. But you need to know that the scripture is teaching us that bountiful giving results in a bountiful life. There's abundance that comes through giving abundantly. But we don't do it because we're someone's twisting our arm. We don't do it that I'm feeling like, okay, well, you know, you know, some churches have this thing where, you know, I want all the, the $10 givers to come forward now. No, the $100. No, 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 no. It's, it's not no manipulation. That's not what it's intended to do. Not reluctantly or in a compulsion. For God is a cheerful giver. It's your heart. He, he wants us to give out of a heart that says, Lord, what a blessing it is for me to give to you. Whether it's to another person that I know who is in need or the ministry of God, whatever it is. He says, he wants you to be cheerful in your giving. And then it says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need. I love the superlatives. You will abound in every good work. And in light of that, he says, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. This brings glory to God. When we as a people of God choose to be like Jesus, like the Father, being those who are generous and ready to give, it brings glory to God. So, I, you know, I, I love this season. I, I've, I've always enjoyed this, even before I was a believer. I, I, I love the, the gift giving and the Christmas tree and, you know. But since coming to faith, it has meant so much more to me. The idea that I, I want to bless you. I want to give something to you. It, 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 it reminds me again of what God did for us. 
Now, now I mentioned I was going to give you some practicals. I, I want to say one of the, the most basic practicals in this is, again, you've got to get before the Lord and let him speak to your heart. If you're not in the practice of saying, God, I, 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 I'm bare before you. Well, then giving is going to be, seem very mechanical or it's going to seem, you know, something that, that I can't do because I don't have enough. It, it becomes a, a, a natural task versus a supernatural task. If, if I'm before the Lord, and I recognize in him I have everything. And yes, I so I can be content. And in him, I know that he, is, he has told me he's going to meet every one of my needs according to the, his, the riches of his glory in Christ. If I'm convinced of that, then I can take the next step. Which is, I got to have wisdom before God. So there is real wisdom in saying, I got a budget. Right? And I've got to choose in my home that we're going to live according to a budget. I'm not going to spend more than I do have. There's so many families at Christmas time because they feel the pressure of the culture to say, I got to buy all these gifts. And they're broke and they're going into debt for Christmas. If you can't afford it, don't buy it. Don't spend money that you don't have. You've got to put aside. You know, I, I, one of the things I, I teach my kids, and, and again, this is just principles. It's, you know, you, you can figure out what, what sort of dollar amounts you're going to do in your own budget. But you've got to have a budget that says, I've got to meet the needs of my home. I've got to pay my bills. I've got to do all those kinds of things. I, I, I want to have wisdom to say I'm putting aside each month to save for the future. In case there are any emergency needs, I have some resources put aside. And then you got to put aside money to say, I'm giving towards God and his people and the kingdom. I want to I, I be able to, if there's a specific need that my neighbor has, I can come alongside and say, can I bless you this kind of way? you gotta, you got to plan for that. Those are some practicals. If you don't have a budget, husbands, wives, start one today. If you need some help, write that on your communication card. We will get some help to you. But then there is that place also, as I am before the Lord and listening to him, that I may think, I can't do this. But God speaks to your heart and says, I want you to bless this person or that person or give to such and such a ministry in a particular way. And by faith, you do it. When you think you can't, but you say, I'm going to do it anyway. You know, we're not under the law. We live by faith, by grace. There are still those principles of sowing and reaping, giving generously. That's just Christian living. But but God spoke to his people, Israel, in Malachi. You see, in chapter 3, he he speaks of of his people robbing him. And he says, how have you robbed me? He says, by withholding your tithes and your offering, by withholding that. When we choose, I'm not going to give. God says, you're robbing me. And then he goes on to say in verse 10, I I have read through the Bible many times, and and I haven't seen any other place where God says, test me in this. He says, test me in this. Bring the full tithe to the storehouse, And watch and see if I will not pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. And I have failed God many times in this regard where, you know, my lack of faith has said, you know, I don't think I can give as much as you are asking me to, God. And it just seems like 
if I was wise enough, I could look back and say every time that I have withheld, I've ended up in lack. But when I have tested God in this, He always provides. Amen. And, 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 and then there's somebody else who's listening right now going, you know, Pastor Brian, you just don't know. I don't have income right now. I, 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 I'm not, I can't give off of income because I don't have an income right now. And I say, well, what is the goal again? The goal is to become like Jesus. And Jesus didn't really have much income. Right? He was supported in his ministry. He had many women who came alongside him and they were supporting him. And so he gave what? Himself. And, and so if you're in that space where you're saying, I, I don't have income to give, give yourself. Plan on Christmas Day to go down to the soup kitchen. Give of yourself. Serve in some kind of way. But what God is speaking to every one of us this morning, my brothers and sisters, I'm convinced, is that we're called to be a generous and giving people. I'm going to go back to where I started. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There may be one person, two persons. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe today you want to give your life to him because he gave his life for you. I had one friend who said, you know, he's a Jamaican friend. He called me Tommy. Tommy, you know something? I, I, I would just like to, I, I wish I could die for Jesus. I said, Kenny, he's not calling you to die for him. He's calling you to live for him. Would we give ourselves to the Lord and open ourselves and say, God, how do you want to use me as that vessel? Is it giving of my financial resources? Is it giving of my, my time and my talent? What is it? How do you want me to give? And so before you leave today, I'm going to go to prayer right now. Maybe it's just to give your life to him today. But maybe it is for you to think about how do I give of myself, my resources. Maybe it's to a neighbor. Maybe it's to someone who's right beside you. I want to encourage you. There are some of you who are in need right now who need to be that, in that place of receiving. And some of you have abundance. And I'm, if that's you, I'm going to urge you as you give today to give above your tithe and to give towards the Christmas blessings that we do every year. In, in my mind, in the body of Christ, there ought to be no need. That we care for one another. There are going to be points at which you need and points at which you have abundance. So I want to encourage you again, if you're in that place of abundance right now, to just give a little bit above your tithe today and to say... Christmas blessings, and we'll make sure it's passed on to those in our body who, are, who have that need. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for giving and teaching us what giving is all about. And in this season of giving and receiving, Lord God, thank you that Jesus, you yourself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. I pray, God, we would learn that generosity, that we'd learn to trust you more and more. 
to be those kinds of people who are conduits of blessing. We pray this, God, in Jesus' name. And Lord, I want to pray especially for that person who may want to give their life to you today. If you are in that space, if you've got questions or if you're ready to do so, make sure that you see me afterwards. We want to make sure that we take the time to explain in more detail what it means to follow Jesus, to understand that he died for you, was raised from the dead, and and there's nothing you can do to make yourself right with God apart from receiving what he's already given, his salvation. I pray this, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.